Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. There we go. So this is Vision Sunday. Um, this is th- this day means different things to different people, and it's one of those ones that for Vision Sunday for us, why we're excited to share it. Vision Sunday can be one of those ones that when people see it popping up on an email, some people are thinking to themselves, "Oh no, <laughs> not Vision Sunday." And today, all I would love to say is I. And I mean this, and the reason why I mean it is because I know how quick it went the first service as well. I will, I'm going to share a little bit of vision at the very beginning. We're going to take no more than about 10 minutes or so to do that. We're going to start quite wide in terms of what we feel the Lord has laid on our heart. And then we're going to narrow the focus of it. And Phil is going to come up off the back of it and share a word that he feels the Lord's laid in his heart. We're going to gather around the table at the end uh, just to break bread and remember the Lord. And we're going to share a couple of things around that as well. What we would love to commit to as families together. But this, this is one of those moments that we just feel that it's significant for us to be able to say, this is where we feel the Lord is leading us. If, if many of you were about um, church over the summer months, particularly in the month of August, in the evening times, one of the things which we shared and we reflected on uh, to a larger extent at that point was our vision statement. If you're new to us in church, one of the things which we say was we have one vision statement and three values. Our vision statement that we have here as a church is simply this, to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. It's one of those ones that we dare not ever feel that this is the sort of thing we can do on our own. That's why it said we want to help, we partner, we're part of the church uh, that is active in Ireland. But this is what we want to be as a people. And so on Vision Sunday, it's almost like we want to re-envision and remind us this is what we're committing to be about as a church family and as a local church and a local family. And this is simply it, that we, our heart's desire is that we would see the kingdom of God come in big ways, firstly here in Craig Avon. It's why we want to gather tonight in Brown Leisure Center, to be able to pray, to be able to worship, to be able to ask and to seek the Lord for all that he is doing in our city. And so we're praying for big things. We're believing for big things for Craig Avon. We're believing big things for Ireland as well. We is why we are passionate to see new expressions of churches planted, to, to partner with other churches around the land, to see more and more and more churches birthed throughout the nation. Because we believe that the church is the manifold wisdom of God, and this is the vehicle by which God wants to outwork his ministry here on the earth. And we want to see the church revived. We want to see the church grow up and grow into all that God has called her to be. And we're believing and praying for big things for that. And that's why we have to bar and we're believing it for the nations as well out of this very room god is birthing is placing and is birthing dreams and vision for people to see them move and put up their hands and say yes i will go wherever god you're calling me to go we saw that in the summer months for rachel rachel Kerr, who's putting up her hand to say yes god i feel you're calling me to go to cambodia i'm laying aside my work for a time and i'm going to go and i'm going to do that we just believe that this is what we want to be as a people so this is our vision statement rewriting the story of craig avon ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God, but to do this well and stay true to who we've been called to be, what we do is, outside of our vision statement, we center ourselves around three values, loving God, loving people, loving the world. If you were here last Sunday night, the thing that I taught on last Sunday night was the very end of Matthew 7, so we were closing off the series on the Sermon on the Mount, and in that sermon, what we were looking at is the words of Jesus, the words of Christ was simply this. He said, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them 
is like a man who builds his house on a rock. Anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a man who builds his house on a sand. And it talks about how, obviously, as things and storms of life come, the one that's built on the rock is immovable. The one that's built on the sand, it just collapses. It falls apart. Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine. And the reason why we have this, these core values, these three core values, because for us, this is a really succinct way of being able to say what we believe are the two greatest commandments of Christ, the words of Christ that he's called us to live out. Firstly, we read this in Matthew 22. This is what's called the great commandment. So there's a teacher of the law that's come to Jesus, and he said, and he was almost trying to check him out, and he's saying, Rabbi, what, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus is saying this, you love, love God, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You love God, and you love people. He also said before he left the earth, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said, This all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so for us, when it comes to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, our core values are just simply a way for us to be able to summarize that. That is what we want to lay as a foundation. Jesus said, if you build on this foundation, anyone who hears these words of mine and does them, it's like someone who is building his house on a rock. This is the foundation in which we want to build on. So we have a vision we have three values, and the three values are just flowing out of the words of Christ. This is not anything that we're simply saying that we're trying to come up with ourselves. We just want to follow Jesus. And so what we normally do at this point, if, 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 I, was, if I was being honest, sort of reflect back on some things that's happened over the last number of years, and so what normally would happen is myself or Phil or some of the other guys we got up at this point, and we would take half an hour, and we would share lots and lots of short-term aims which we're trying to work out. And we're not going to do that this year. We're not going to do that. And the reason why we're not going to do that is because I recognize that for some people, that they love having that information. That's where the way their minds work. For a lot of people, there can be a disengagement. But more than anything, the reason why we're not doing that is because simply and solely, as we've chatted about it as leaders and as elders together, this is simply where we just feel we've arrived at. And listen, when we put these words up on the screen, these words can be so underestimated, can be so downplayed, but if we're being truthfully and honest, this is simply what we feel our vision is this year. We feel that the vision is Jesus. More than anything, simply, the vision is Jesus. And so all we want to present this year is how do we go after a vision that is just simply Jesus? So we've one vision and we've three values. What I flick through on the screen, I'll not take time to go through them all, but we have six long-term aims that we just try to outwork everything through. But I just want to put up in this, these are the first three, but I want you to look at number one and two. Firstly, we want to posture and prepare ourselves to help steward a move of God's Spirit in Ireland. We are passionate. We are committed to pray for and to seek an awakening of God in our time, in our nation. It's, it's one of those ones that we can't just sit back as the church and be idle and be apathetic. As a church, we want to be committed, not just because in these times we feel stuff coming against us, but because we believe that what we have in Christ is more, is much more than what is coming against us. Greater is he that is in us 
than he that is in the world. We want to seek a move of the Holy Spirit in our time like never before. But it's one of those ones where we pray for an outpouring of new wine. We recognize, because the Bible tells us this, new wine needs new wineskin. And this is why the second one of our long-term aims that we want to focus just solely on this morning is this, create a culture of radical discipleship that releases a movement of people fulfilling the Great Commission. The vision is Jesus. We want to be a people that are committed to go after Jesus. We want to be a people that are living out the ways of Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is going to release something that is significant amongst us, we need to be a people that are able to, to carry and to lead and to steward the move of the Spirit at these times. And so this is why we're passionate to follow after Jesus. And so what we've been doing over, over the last while is we've, we've been passionate about trying to develop what we've called the discipleship culture. And over the last year, this isn't something we're just starting now. It's something we've been working on in the background for about the last year or two years. And you know that this is why we landed at this, our definition of discipleship. Firstly, many people were confused simply about what do you mean by discipleship? That word means so many different things to different people. And so as we grappled with it, this was our thought and understanding. Simply, discipleship for us is this, following Jesus in all of life. It can be expressed in many different ways, but this is simply what it means, following Jesus in all of life. And so we, we restructure life group around that. We train people as well. And this year on Vision Sunday, the only thing we're saying and suggesting is new. And if any of you are observant, I wouldn't be unless I was involved in actually putting them up. You will see we have new boards along the wall. Uh, Laura says, I'm one of the most unobservant people. Um, I, I wouldn't have noticed it, only I helped hang them with Dixie and Hank and all during the week. These are our, what we are calling our new practices. So as a church, we have one vision statement, helping to rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. We have three values that we feel are just foundational in terms of what we're building upon. But if we're saying, how do we actually flesh this out? This is what we're saying is going forward in the long term will be our six key practices. They're on the screen, they're on the wall. Prayer and worship, creativity, hospitality and generosity, discipleship, sorry, compassion and justice, discipleship and mission. We had core values that were there before, that were on the wall of another for a long time. Phil shared this last week. I suppose we came to a point where we realized the core values are the key practices that were there previously were ones that they were great, and we're still going to keep them and work on them in the background. We recognized that they were more about what we were doing organizationally, what we were doing as a staff, some of the things that we were pressing into. And when we stood up here in Vision Sunday, so suppose and we put up these six key practices, and we said, so here's five short-term aims under this key practice, and five short-term aims. Some people were just really disengaged, and here's part of the reason why. Some of those key practices that were there were really hard to almost transfer into your context in an everyday setting. Some of them were hard to live out in an everyday sort of life. They applied more to who we were structurally. What we're saying is this. This is what it means to, for, to follow Jesus. These are not just words that we want to put on the board or on the walls just because they look cool. These are what we want to center our lives around, both in times when we gather together, but when we go into our everyday lives, we're saying that this is what we want to be as a people. You ever find that people will ask you, who are you as a church or what do you do as a church? And sometimes you can be scratching your head thinking, well, what's some of the sort of things you could say? You could talk about some of the rhythms or some of the events we do throughout the week or stuff we do on a Sunday. Wouldn't it be great to be part of a people that people don't have to ask, who are you as a church? They just experience it in your life because we're all living out these practices. People that you work with day and daily, they see you living out these rhythms because you talk, you live, you breathe them. 
Phil's going to be sharing in this next week about how we commit ourselves together to be able to do that. But this is what we're suggesting is going to be the biggest part of the change. And again, the reason why we're doing it is because simply the vision of Jesus. These are all things that we see in the life of Christ. These are things that he sent, that were, were center stage almost of his life. There are many other words we could use, but this is what we're summarizing it as. These are the practices that we're going after. We read this, last couple of things for me. We read this in Romans. This is what it says. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Listen to these words. The son, this is Jesus, stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. The Son stands first in the line of humanity. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. We see the, ori the original design and purpose of your life. How do you see it? You see it in Jesus. The original purpose for what God wants you to do each and every day in your life, you see it in Jesus. This is why we want to follow him. And so on this, as I close this off and Phil comes in, here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach in these practices firstly. So um, next week is all on Sunday. And then starting from the 22nd, will be more of an introductory talk. What we'll do each, each of the weeks off the back of that, we'll be taking two weeks at a time to teach in each of these practices. We'll be examining the life of Jesus to see how Jesus did this. We'll look at some wider context of Scripture and the teaching. We'll be practical about how we can apply this to our lives. What we'll be doing at the very end of this teaching series when we get through to December, at the start of January, we'll give a date for this in the coming weeks. We'll be calling all of us to almost center ourselves together for people who are saying they want to, to, to center their lives around this. We'll be asking people to commit to this in some way. Again, we'll, we'll bring more structure and understanding to that next week. And then finally, just for me, firstly to say is this, we have surveys on this. While Vision Sunday can be about where we feel the Lord is calling us to be, where the Lord is leading us to, we'd love to take, a take time and take stock and reflection on actually where we're at right now. It's one thing to talk about where we're going and about where the Lord is calling us to be, but in all of our lives individually, it'd be great to actually say, this is where we're at right now. And so what we have, if you're signed up to our database in Church Suite this afternoon at three o'clock, and there will be the first one of these surveys will be emailed out to you. There will be a link. So it's not actually just the, email, the survey itself. There will be a link that you can click on. It's, it's all online. And with these surveys, they're all anonymous, right? Firstly, to say that when you click on it, no one will know your name. No one will know who's filling it in. Because you know sometimes when you're answering a survey, you think you have to answer the one that you, you know is right in your head rather than truthfully about it. So it's anonymous, so you can answer really truthfully. It'll take you no more than five minutes. And we're going to send it out this afternoon at three o'clock. This first one survey will be on prayer and worship of these first key practices. We'll be sending out a survey every two to three weeks for each of the practices, just taking stock of where we're at currently with us. And it means that when we come to teach on it, it allows us to teach out of a place of understanding. This is where we're at. And then to shed some light on that and about where the Lord would lead us to be. And so just to say that your voice is significant. I'd love you to take time to please fill that out. This is where we can say together, this is where we are and where we're leading into. And again, the whole reason and purpose for this as Phil comes to take us on is this, the vision is Jesus. And so this year, this is all you've got to remember. There's no other short-term aims other than this. We're giving ourselves to Jesus in this season. 
We're going after him like never before. And so this is what we're calling you to. Fell over to you. Thanks, Dave. Come on, give me a round of applause. Good. Um, just for the last 10 minutes, and then we're going to get into communion around the table. I want to say a couple of things to you about this. Um, we're excited about where we're going with this. We're excited about that, you know, the fact that we didn't jump out of boxes or anything this year, like me and Dave jumping out of a box would look cool, wouldn't it? Um, but, um, you know, that the vision is Jesus. So we're centering it around the fact that the vision is solely Jesus. And uh, exciting, you know, it's exciting times. This is our 23rd birthday today by, by day and by date. Um, 23 years ago, we met in the living room. There were just a handful of us and um, just trusting God to reach the lost and the broken, not really thinking about planting a church as such, I suppose, and, but just reaching into the needs and the lost of the community. And here we are 23 years later. It's been highs and lows, but God's been with us every step of the way, which is wonderful. I'll not take time to read the passages this morning, but in Mark 9, you have the story of the transfiguration. You have this story of, uh, and Luke 9 as well, and uh, they're two very powerful passages. Mark 9 tells us a little bit about Jesus taking Peter, James, and John and heading up the mountain and, um, and then being transfigured before them. Luke chapter 9 tells us a little bit more detail. Of course, Mark 9 tells us as well that Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with Jesus, but actually Luke 9 tells us what they talked about. They talked about his soon demise. They talked about the fact that Jesus was going to die. So it's very, very interesting. You can read them for yourselves. And so what Jesus was doing, he was lifting the, a layer. These were guys who had experienced the kingdom. They'd experienced something like you have. They've experienced something. And there came a point where Jesus realized that he had to raise the bar. He realized that he wanted to bring these guys especially a little bit higher. The vision was Jesus. He wanted them to see him as he truly was. Now, one of the things when I went to the intermediate school or junior high, as it's called, one of the things that always amazed me at junior high was the fights. <laughs> Anybody remember the fights? Remember two guys squared up to each other, their mouth got them somewhere where their hands were going to have to get them out of, and they, they squared up to each other, and then everybody would get round them, and everybody would sort of get round them, and they would go, fight, 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 fight. Do you remember that? And it was all like, there never was much fight, and it was all like, you know, it was a bit like, you know, this sort of squaring up to one another. And then it would usually start like this. It would usually start, it would push. Somebody would push. And then there would be a bit of flinging and like this here. I never did that now because I'm not a fighting kind. I got drew in that once. I got drew in that once. And um, I'll not mention the name of the person in case he's here, but um, I got drew in that once because the Emerson thing was, you know, Big guy, muscular, and, uh, and, 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 and so, you know, want to see what you're made of type of thing. And what happened at the end of that, we got brought to the principal's office, Mr. Loney, Joe Loney was his name, and he, we were brought to the principal's office. And when you went to the principal's office, the question that he asked me, I'm sure, was the question that he asked everybody. This would have been the question, all right? Who started it? And of course, you would say, he started it. No, he started it. And, and, and it would go on and on. And so the idea this morning is that 
whenever we go to Peter, James, and John, I imagine if we had all three of them here and questioned them, they would say something like this, well, I was, a, I was just a fisherman, <laughs> happy enough doing my business, James and John working with their dad, Peter working with his brother. We were just happy. But one day, Jesus came along the beach, and he started it. He started it. We just followed. We didn't really know what we were doing. This is why Peter would give his life. This is why James would be cast off the, 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 the wall of the temple down maybe 50, 60 foot, they reckon, and didn't kill him, and then they clubbed him to death. That's what history tells us. This is why they tried to boil John in a pot of oil. They couldn't kill this guy. And in, in the latter stages of his life, they, they, they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. Why? Because he started it. He started it. I was just a kid. I was just a kid, came home from school one Friday afternoon, and old Stevie Livingston, who was a hero of mine, now with the Lord, long, long time, was sitting in our home, started to read me the story in Acts 16 about the Philippine jailer, came to that little bit, verse 30, where the Philippine jailer brings Paul and Silas out and asks the question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I did that, and he started it. This is why we're here. He started it. And so there's something about this journey. There's something about this idea. Paul, the great apostle, could say, well, I was on a horse, and I was persecuting Christians, and I was quite happy with my life, but he came, and he knocked me off my horse, and he blinded me for three days, and he started it. And so if we're going to take this higher, if we're going to step into greater things of God, if we're going to understand the vision of Jesus, we've got to understand who started this. We've got to know who started it. We've got to know what journey we're on, and we've got to know this person. Because here, here's Jesus bringing these three guys up into the mountain. He brings them up, and he's totally transformed. He's totally, the Greek word is face is altered. The Greek word is other. One minute it was like this, and the next minute it was like something uh, completely different. And these guys, they're scared out of their wits. They want to dance. They want to sing. They want to run away all at the same time. His clothes, the radiant, uh, the, the authorized says it was radiant and it was flashing like lightning, like lightning flash, flash intensely. And I find it quite interesting that the word transfigured in Mark 9 and Luke 9 is the exact same word according to Strong's concordance as the word transformed in Romans 12 too. They're exact same word. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be transfigured. Think differently by renewing your mind, he's saying. You've got to think differently. And so there's something about this idea of being transfigured. To, to, it's a metamorphosis, which means a complete change of form. And so if we're going to go higher, if we're going to go into the things of God, we've got to understand He started it, and we're just following in His footsteps. These, are, these aren't just six cool visions or mission statements or words that we dreamt up. These are the life of Jesus. 
we picked these specifically out of the life of Jesus. This is what characterized Jesus. And so he started it, and we're just following. And so what we've got to do, we've got to understand how to be different, and especially how to think different. If you look at a caterpillar and a butterfly, you couldn't actually think there's such a dramatic shift from one to the other that you couldn't actually figure out a connection. You couldn't look at that thing crawling on the left and think that it would fly in a couple of weeks. You couldn't, you couldn't imagine that. There's just, and this is what happened here on the mountain. There was such a shift. There was such a, and I think, I think, and I'm going to suggest to you that the transfiguration is in the Bible to give us a snapshot of what a renewed mind looks like. It's there to show us a picture of what a transformed or a transfigured mind should look like. That we actually, as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, that we actually begin to think differently. You see, it's not just that we've got saved and we've got God in our life, which is all wonderful. It's Christ in us, Paul could say in Colossians 1, which is the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in me. We are carriers of the Christ. That's why we're Christians, little Christ, Christ ones. That's what it means. And so Isaiah 61 says, arise and shine, not arise and reflect. It's arise and shine, for the light is on you. And so I think to transform one's mind, we need to rise up out of our position into his position and radiate, radiate who he is, our minds revealing God's glory. Now you might ask the question, well, what is God's mind? Well, we know what God's mind is. Have this mind among yourselves, he says. That was the same as Christ Jesus who gave himself. We become servants, not, not, not lording over people, but actually servants that serve our, our communities, that actually reach the lost and the broken, that do the dirty stuff, that, that get our hands dirty, that, that understand that, that the vision is Jesus. You might say, well, what, what is the mind of God towards me? I, I love this verse. You, you, you will know it if you know the Bible at all. Jeremiah 29, 11 says about knowing the plans that I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That word welfare, I've taught you on this word many, many times. It's the word shalom, and it's a very powerful word. And the word shalom is one of the greatest words in all the Bible. It means... It, 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 it means health and friendly and prosperity and favor and all of those things. It's everything you could want is wrapped up in that word. And God says, I want this for you. I want this for you. And as we move into this new season, there is a rising. And I think there is a, a call to come up the mountain. There is a call because he started it. And he's called us onto that journey. And so we need to understand what it is to follow Jesus into this. Now, um, Moses and Elijah often wondered why these two boys and why Luke actually tells us that they were talking about his death. Now, I'm not comparing their deaths because their deaths weren't redemptive in nature, but they were manhandled by God in their demise. And so he sends these two men to talk to Jesus about his soon coming death. And these two men are representatives of two Powerful things in the Old Testament. They represent power and authority. Moses had the rod of authority. Elijah had the mantle of power. Remember it says that John the Baptist came in the power 
of Elijah. So they represented two kingdoms that weren't fulfilled in the Old Testament. And that's why Matthew tells us that Jesus actually came to fulfill the law and the prophets. So he meets with these two sort of representatives of power and authority, and the one who is going to now fulfill all power, the one who's going to fulfill all authority, meets with them on the Mount of Transfiguration. And again, I say, giving us a snapshot of what what it's like to think differently. And I think, I think if we're going to move ahead into the fresh things of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus was unveiling himself to the disciples um, as the king of this kingdom. And so we've got to think different. We've got to change our mindset because if we allow, if, if we don't, we just allow our, our minds to get taken over. And we must allow our own little kingdoms to submit to his kingdom. And so there's something about changing that attitude. And next Sunday, what we're going to do as we look at All In, I'm going to share a little bit about a vision that we have for for making our place family-orientated, which I think we've tried really hard at, but at the same time raising the bar and raising the standard because the Bible says aspire to these things, aspire. And so what we're going to do is we're going to raise the bar and ask you, if you want a covenant with us to go on this journey, then there's a process to be involved in that. But what we're going to do, we're going to break bread together. Um, Marty's going to come and lead us in that because... um, because the vision is Jesus. The vision is Jesus. And as we do communion, you'd have got one of these little cards coming in. And on the card, on the front side of the card is a prayer. And on the back side are some tips on how to do communion at home. And what we're suggesting to you, if you haven't got one, if you, I've said to the guys at the back, if you haven't got one, if you, you hold your hand up, they'll, they'll slip one into your hand. There you go, guys. There's... Just keep your hand up and uh, the guys will, will get you them. Um, it'll be on the screen as well, but if you, if we want you to bring this home because what we're suggesting is for the next two weeks starting today, we would love you to break bread every day as a family. We would love you to do this because it's not just about the church coming together and communing. It's about you as families teaching your kids and coming together for communion together at whatever part of the day you decide to do that. More up at the front here, guys, if you have any more. Yes, here we go. Dolores over here. Um, so what I'd, love, what I'd love us to do now, I'd love us to, to jump to our feet, if you would, if you're able to stand, if you'd stand with me. I'd love us to pray this prayer together, all right? Um, I'd love us to, to pray this prayer together. We'll do it on the count of three. And then this is the prayer. It's a, it's a sort of suggestive prayer to you um, that, that uh, you, can, you can do with your family every day for the next two weeks. Is that all right? Okay, you with me? You're looking at me very dazed. Say yes, Phil. Okay, okay. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Father, I receive the invitation of your son, Jesus, to come to this meal. I come in faith. I come as I am. I come through your grace. I believe you welcome me with kindness. I come to remember. I remember with holy awe and wholehearted gratitude what you have done for me. Thank you, Jesus. 
I am overwhelmed by the depths of your love for me. I come to confess. I confess my sins, my apathy, my lack of devotion, my obsession with myself. Please forgive me, Jesus. I come to receive. I receive your grace, your forgiveness, your unconditional love. As I eat of this bread and drink of this cup, I see the Father running towards me, and I receive his extravagant love. I come to declare, I declare your Lordship Jesus in my life, over my family, over our church, and over our city and nation. I declare your complete victory and the overcoming power of your love. Your cross is the source of my healing, my salvation, my righteousness, and my complete freedom. I come to declare your life-giving, resurrecting spirit is living inside me. I come to give come to give you my life all over again. I allow your self-giving love to be formed in me. I come to give myself to seeking first your kingdom in the way of the cross. I come to die again that I might truly live. I love you, Jesus. I am yours and you are mine. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your moment. This is your moment. You know, you could trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord right now, and nothing would prevent you from eating of this feast. That's the only thing, just knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're not, if you have never done that, I'd love you to take that moment right now. The Bible says, let us examine ourselves and then come. It doesn't say, let us examine ourselves and stay away. Let us examine ourselves. If there are issues you need to deal with, deal with them, all right? It's not even about being worthy. This is about being made fit. <laughs> this is the most beautiful thing. This is the most beautiful thing. Being made fit by the death, resurrection, power of the Lord Jesus to come and eat of this incredible feast. So God, I pray that you would bless this bread and this cup to us as a family, as we come together in families, as we come together as friends, God, as we commune together this morning, may you touch our hearts as we worship you and close this off this morning. God, may you help us to start to think differently, think differently about you. And as we begin to think differently about you, we'll begin to think differently about ourselves, think differently about others, think differently about life. God, help us to see things with an eternal perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's come two tables at the back, there's two at the front let's start and come while Marty leads us in worship We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk